Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. My name is Mark, and I'm your host. And we go international this episode with Tone of Voice Orchestra's Trinalisa Varing. Her family enjoyed music when she was growing up, but it wasn't a career choice. She didn't even think about it after recording two jazz albums while in school studying architecture. But somehow, she wound up marrying a musician. Once she finally made the decision to focus on music, she decided she needed to find her own voice and it wasn't going to be in jazz. So she completely changed her musical style but lost a portion of her audience when she did it. It was also at this point that she decided to write exclusively in her native Danish. Speaking of Danish, I do a pretty good job of butchering the language in this episode, including getting several definitions wrong. That leads us to Trina Lisa's latest project, Tone of Voice Orchestra. She tells us the difference between her husband's fantasy of what the band would be and the reality of what it is. Somehow, they managed to get all 10 members together to record this album during the pandemic, and they'll be releasing even more music later on this year. Follow Trina Lisa and the group at Tone of Voice Orchestra on Instagram and Facebook. You can also check out varing.com, V-A-E-R-I-N-G, for links to buy the album. Rate and review this podcast. Follow us at Performance ANX on the socials, and support is accepted via kofi.com at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety or performanceanx.threadless.com. Now let's get started with Trina Lisa Varing of Tone of Voice Orchestra on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am Trina Lisa Varing. I am one of two band leaders for Tone of Voice Orchestra, and we are a 10 piece outfit from Copenhagen, Denmark. Our self titled album, Tone of Voice Orchestra, just came out in the middle of March, and um, this is 2022, I should mention. And um, we write music that is somehow genre fluid because we are inspired by a lot of stuff from Americana to uh, world music from different regions of the world, um, from Scandinavian roots, and we just blend it all together uh, in our songs that also have kind of a, an, an, or, or, an unorthodox collection of instruments. We have hurdy-gurdy backpipe, violin, four singers, two drummers. 
double bass and saxophone. So I don't think you've ever heard anything like it, actually. I'm quite sure you haven't. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm so happy to be here on Performing Society podcast and be able to tell you about all this stuff that is really important to me. Good morning or afternoon. <laughs> I cannot. Let me still hang on. Let me. Maybe now. Yes. Yeah. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this. This is great. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> and literally my pleasure because I've listened to the album a lot and it's just it's so great thank you oh my gosh there's so many things there's so many styles and got a lot of questions so i'm so happy what i like to do to find out to, to understand a little bit more about what where you're at now professionally i like to, to you kind of discover where you came from how you started in this whole business so what I, I usually like to start off with finding about finding out about how you really kind of discovered music. Was there a lot of music growing up? Were you, was you, did you have any musicians, musical family members? How did you get interested in music in the first place? Um, my family was not a music family, and I had actually never been to a concert before I got to high school. So when wow. I think of my own children who has been to like zillions of concerts with us, I mean, <laughs> sitting under the piano or whatever, that's like a totally different uh, thing. But I wow. came to music via playing the guitar because I used to horseback ride a lot when I was little and a teenager. And as I think maybe, I don't know, 12 or something, some of the other girls, horseback riding, they took guitar lessons. And so I went with them and I promised my mother that I would learn how to read music because that was the only thing she could imagine was how to learn music. You have to learn to read music. And I mean, I do read music, but definitely not on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was a kind of my way into it. And okay. the guitar teachers, she was really into letting not every student sitting for themselves playing the guitar, but she made up small ensembles. So she made ensembles with two men and two women, or, or girls and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we had the right amount of voices. There would be soprano, alto, tenor, and baritone. And so we could sing four-part harmonies and play our little guitars. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I wow. kind, of, kind of, yeah, came into that through. And one of these men that she made this little group out of was like 20 years older than I was. And he just had the, the perfect voice for that combination. Okay. And uh, he was very into music and had a lot of uh, vinyls and had listened to a lot of American folk music and from the sixties because he was older, you know? Right. And right. so actually he's dead now and I inherited a lot of his vinyls. Oh, so, wow. um, yeah. He kind of introduced me to Americana, you know, as a whole and whenever somebody was here, you know, he also took us to concerts. And, you know, when I got, got to high school, there was a lot of concerts on the high school and I were doing, you know, high school bands, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't for my family. I mean, it's not that they were music, you know, that didn't like it, but it's like, I can remember three albums from my home, probably that I know my mother and father listened to. So it's, it was not a big thing. Oh, wow. Okay. 
I, that always fascinates me when it, it goes the complete opposite. The family's not musical at all, and then one of the children is that becomes their career. It it's just such yeah. an interesting shift. I think a lot of artists have kids that are become artists just because of you know it makes sense. I guess from, from growing up, we didn't know a single person who was uh, like a freelancer in any type. I mean, not a graphic designer or. So just the thing of not having a job and earning money or your own company, that could be it. My father had his own little company, but mm -hmm. that was just unheard of. And I didn't, I couldn't imagine that you could make a living out of it. I will say though, that that is still a mystery to me, how we were actually <laughs> this far. And <laughs> still living. But uh, yeah. And I took, I went six years to architect school actually when I was, you know, like in my twenties, because wow. I, I couldn't imagine that this could, you know, for real be a career, but it yeah. just kept, it kept uh, resurfacing. And I, when I was still in, in architect school, I, I um, took leave for a year and I went to new school in New York and studied there for a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but then back to architect school, cause I, I needed this education. I thought, you know, I never <laughs> used it for anything. So oh, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> music just keeps um, resurfacing in my life. And it's just such a passion for me. Um, and it's grown, I would say more and more intense with the years that I've now I'm super obsessed with music, actually with listening to new music, which you can also hear in, in tone of voice orchestra that yeah. from all the influences that's because I'm, and we are actually this, we're two band leaders and we're just obsessed with music, you know, that it's is just, fantastic. I love that. I love it. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. When did you really start thinking about music as a profession then? Um... I was hoping all the time, I guess, you know, because okay. after high school, I started taking some singing lessons, but, but like I said, there was nobody in my kind of, there was somebody who had one friend that I played with in the high school band. His father was a professional musician. That was like the first person that I saw. And I thought, Oh, they're making actually the living by from this. 
But uh, then I met my husband really young, and we married when I was 21, and he was a professional musician. Oh, wow. So that's kind of, and he's also the one that we have Tone and Voice Orchestra together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So kind of looking at him, he's always played music, and his family has been more into to music. And uh, so looking at him, I was kind of still thinking I needed an education, but I was, you know, just tuning myself into what it takes to to actually, I mean, I was doing professional, I made two albums while I was still in architect school. So it's not that I was not sort of working in a professional <laughs> atmosphere, but I was just thinking that it couldn't happen as a, as the only thing I did. But, oh, um, so were those your first two albums, the, the, the first two jazz albums that you had released? Yeah. The, yeah. They, the, those came out while I was still in, in, in architect school. And every time I took a leave for four months to do them, so, you know, it dragged out because music was all the time slowing me back, <laughs> slowing me down in the education. But oh yeah, my and I, I was always coming in late because I'd been out playing gigs at night. <laughs> it was <laughs> terrible. So well, that's amazing. So you, you, you released two albums. So when I close my eyes and in so many words. Actually, in so many words was after, but there was okay. uh, another album uh, called, which was under band name, People, Places, Times, and Faces. Oh, and actually yeah. one more, one in Spanish that we did while it was also in, well, that was on the way out. Uh, two, two albums, I think. Okay, yeah. so that was, was that uh, Dos Mundos? Dos Mundos came out, we did that as we were, the time, just the day the more or less <laughs> architect school finished, we did Dos Mundos. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you, you've been digging deep if I you realize. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. Yeah, you've really been digging because that's kind of <laughs> kind of nowhere to be found. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing to me that, because in my mind, if I'm making an album, but that's it. I'm a, I'm a professional musician now. Screw architecture school. I'm I'm done. So yeah, that's, have you been a professional all your life? Uh, I, well, I was a photographer for years. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> then I had kids, and I had to get a real job. Okay. So, <laughs> so now I just do photos on my own. I actually like to do live music photography. That's mm -hmm. that's my favorite. That's my my passion. So I kind of went the opposite way, where I now do my passion as a hobby, mm -hmm. and maybe I'll be able to get back into it once uh, the kids are all in college, which one of them is. So hey, maybe be maybe before you know it, but. But, so, but the thing is that we, we don't pay for college here. So you also have, I yeah. think, once you invest in kids, you know, just having them, I guess you have this big economic looming thing in the future that you have to provide for that, which yeah. we don't. Well, I so would, that is maybe, yeah. Yeah, and I went to college for photography. So it, it worked out for a decade or so. Were you playing a lot live when you were in architecture school and, and recording albums and all? Were you gigging a yeah. lot? Yeah, not a lot, a lot, because, you know, this, we're in the really insignificant corner of the world, to be, to be honest. It's, it's not so, you can't, the tours are really short yeah. because the country is so small. So you can say, yes, I was gigging, but com 
compared to going on a tour in America is really short and you can, you know, get back in your own bed most after most gigs because it's so small. <laughs> Some, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's a really... I know a um, lot of musicians who would love that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. We would just love to play longer tours, but we, we have toured in more countries in Europe and I've even been as far as Australia on a tour once wow. there. Of course I couldn't go back in my own bed, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's really a dream for us to come to America or, you know, possibly Canada is more obvious because of the visa thing. The visa thing is so crazy. I keep hearing just imagining that. how to get in there with a band is like so yeah. expensive. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Were you writing your own music at this point in, in school? Yeah. I've always been writing my own music. Wow. I actually remember as I think this was before I played the guitar when I was nine or seven or something really small. And I was listening to, you know, like the pop radio and there was, I was looking for instrumental tunes Okay. and there was a one shadow tune that came out and I had my mother write me a lyric about horses because I was crazy about horses in English to this <laughs> shadow tune. And then I, I would, I recorded it from the radio and, put it out and turned it on. And then on another recorder, I would record my own voice with the shadows coming out of the first radio. Oh, so wow. Already there, I was kind of wanted, wanting to be a singer, you know, with my own songs and stuff. And then from the time I had my guitar, I started writing songs. So I've been writing songs always. Was jazz always a draw for you? Because the first album, the first three albums you did were definitely yeah. deeply rooted in jazz. Yeah. It wasn't always, but this was... I went to high school in the um, 80s. And if you remember the pop scene then, it was really, you know, testosterone-filled. And yeah. I mean, had I been 10 years older so that I would have been going on in the sick, in the in the 70s, I would have been a singer-songwriter because I love Janice Ian and yeah. all the singer-songwriters, Rick Lee Jones. But then came all that, you know, big stadiums, a lot of reverb on the snare drums and yeah. whoa, all this energy that... And Big hair. I just, yeah, big hair. <laughs> and I just realized from some connections that I met that in the jazz arena, there were a lot of really nerdy guys who were not that occupied with this really loud and, and the bombast. This kind of vibe. They, it was more like invested in the music. And so mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that's kind of the vibe that I want to. So I was a singer songwriter working with jazz musicians, but I didn't really sing like a, a jazz artist as you could probably hear, even on the first albums. My heart is firm but shakeable It's hard and yet it's breakable It's young, it's old, it's giant bone that twists and so it was like a jazz inflicted singer songwriter ish thing. <laughs> it's a hybrid. And when I, yeah. And when I came to this, also came out of the year we had in new school because before I went to new school, the jazz and contemporary department there, I thought I was really trying to be a jazz singer. And I, I studied all the jazz standouts, etc. But then when I came over, I just realized that th that will never be my history. I mean, these great black singers from the 40s and 50s. And yeah. It's just a whole nother thing. So I would have to look for something that was 
where I could add something to a tradition rather than just, you know, try to copy it. So that's why I kind of, yeah. So is that why you had the big shift in style with the uh, Trespassing album? Uh, no, as, actually, this this uh, uh, recognition came before I made my first album, which is okay. why I sing more, you know, more straight and more singer songwriter ish than really trying to be a jazz singer. I was still having the jazz people around yeah. me, but then once we get to the trespassing, and again, you've been doing your homework really well. <laughs> I was sort of transferring into some sort of indie rock poppy thing because I got, you know, the jazz also has so many agendas that doesn't have to do with telling a story, singing a song. And so for every song that you make, you have to make room for improvisation and you have mm. to think about all the course, good vehicles for the soloists. And, and I love the albums I did and I love the musicians I played with because they were really, really good and they helped me out becoming a better musician. Yeah. But I also felt at some time that my songwriting was more important than everybody else having a solo on my material. That makes sense. <laughs> I can get so that. I was sort of trans, you know, slightly moving on that way, you know, down that road. The jazz stuff is beautiful. I mean, I, I love The Sacred and the Forlorn. That is, I yeah. absolutely love that song. But are you there? Do you care at all? But Simon says, walk on, walk on ahead, whether you say it or And then Trespassing comes out and it's definitely a lot more rock oriented, guitar oriented. Yeah. And the songs are a little bit, you know, shorter because the jazzy songs were uh, longer. I guess maybe because everybody had was wanted a solo. Also, but, because the time just, you know, the time was there. You could make tunes of seven minutes. There wasn't any streaming going on, and yeah. it was not. You don't didn't think of airplay as much. It was, it was like more songs had sweet forms because, well, that was people had the time for it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now when I listening to it. I actually the one the other one you mentioned Dos Mundos. When I listen to that, I'm thinking, why is there a bass intro so long? <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine it. Why? <laughs> I mean, but at the time it seemed perfectly normal. It's what you feel at the time, you know. If if it fit at the time, it it's mm. each album is just a snapshot of where you were at that point. Yeah, so. sure. But I've listened to Trespassing, and I I absolutely love Just Another Little Girl. That was, oh man, that's a great song. No way. The girl is the woman I am. Oh no. You got it all wrong. But I'm giving you another go to take the wool from your eyes. Visit Earth, get our watches synchronized. That was 
actually inspired by Alanis Morissette at the time. Oh, really? In the 90s, yeah. Awesome. So I'm always thinking of her when I sing it. And also the, some, something about the melody that comes out of that. She was kind of an eye-opener for me because she was angry. Yeah. And which was probably also why I wanted to do something other than, you know, piano trio is really elegant. I wanted to do something that had a little bit more anger in it because I was a little bit pissed. I, yeah. <laughs> well, that comes across for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the, that change that um, came about at that time. Were you touring a lot with at that point? Because I, mean, oh. I almost want to say with because it was a whole new set of musicians you were working with, but it was still everything was under your name. Yeah. I was touring the most when I did the like the second of my, the one called um, In So Many Words. That album mm-hmm. was we toured a lot all over Europe. So when I changed style, I kind of lost a bit of my audience. And like it was a little bit that was a transition. We, we still played jazz clubs, but they thought we were very loud. <laughs> <laughs> and then as you see the year, I mean, the album, there was a break there after that album where I really had to decide what to do. And yeah. then I left everything, took the word jazz out of all my press releases and, uh-huh. you know, started playing the electric guitar myself and just switched also language and started writing in my native tongue, Danish. So yeah. that they kind of, I hit a wall, I guess, with, with the trespassing. I mean, I had really good reviews and people welcoming me on this other arena but the audience was just oh she's the jazz singer we're not coming you know uh, so it was difficult myself yeah you, you yeah. set an expectation and and people weren't prepared for it i guess no so even you know like radio this is the time when radio became more of a thing and mm. you know so it's like oh, we know what you're about why don't you call the jazz channel and I'm like the jazz channel don't think this is jazz you know, yes. it's like <laughs> it's still actually an issue for me and really? yeah it is because uh yeah, because I still do projects with um, jazz musicians and stuff. So there's still a lot of people who think I am the jazz singer because wow. my two first albums were so big. Man, oh, you know, I hate that you get pigeonholed like that because yes, people are missing out on yeah, people get missing out on some great music. And yeah. God, I don't want to murder the Danish language here, so I'm not. I'm trying. To, I want to talk a little, uh, ask you some questions, but I know I'm going to butcher these titles, so I'm going to do my best. So please forgive me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I have a couple that are, I think the titles I may have translated into English, but is it Lutfisker? Lutfisker. Lutfisker. Okay. That yeah. was close. I love that album. Oh, I can't I'm understand so a word you're saying, it, yeah. but there's the song, uh, Miss Lude. Miss Lude. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That song has been stuck in my head and it's almost frustrating because I can't sing it to to go along with what's in my head. I can hear it in my head, and I'm like, I, I, but so it's just stuck in my head, and it's not going anywhere. That 
uh, that whole album just kicks ass. It's pretty, it's a lot heavier than I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, to be honest with you. When I see the entire album in, in Danish, I'm like, all right. I, almost, I don't know if I was falling into the trap of expecting it to be more jazzy, but it, yeah. I love it. It's amazing how a, a song you can't understand in a completely different language can get stuck in your head. I'm glad you say that because, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, at the time I really felt I had to be very clear that this was not jazz. So that's why it's sort of, you know, I taking every jazz thing out of it. You know, there could be even some songs that I've written that had a little bit more jazzy calls. I was like, no, that can't go. Wow. And also just writing more on guitar gives you a different, I guess, a different sound and different chords because it's more e easy on a piano to kind of move your fingers about and just stuff chords in there where guitar, you can stand a while with the same chord and going blah, blah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you write different songs and also just a change of language because I hadn't written in Danish since I was, you know, like really, really young. And when I was really, really young, I only listened to pop music. So probably also just switching language also tapped into, so made the transition and then just tapping into another area of music for me. So was it in your own head, you were thinking this is going to be more poppy because I'm, I'm writing in my native language. Well, just because I think the music I heard in my native tongue was more poppy right so it wasn't like i'm thinking i have to make i, I think it just came with the territory more or less of speaking my own tongue there isn't any jazz in danish more or less in this area either so i guess the jazz just made made a lot of sense to write in english and i, I actually still love to write in english as you can see on on, on tone of voice orchestra yeah. and i had another band called office schools where i also wrote in english so it's not that i i like both it's just different yeah We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast. But I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and loved them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was Jailbait. Wait, Jailbird. The design I chose was Jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet and help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. And so the, the album after that, I'm not, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this one. I think it translates to rude. Uh, no, it's actually an augmentative, but it doesn't mean anything in the self, but it's something you put in front of anything. If you say, umanierly good, then it means really good. It's just uh, like real, it's like kind of something that whatever comes after it becomes more, you so know. It's more of an adjective. Yeah, it's the, like an, it yeah, it's augments. Aug yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, augmentative. It's kind of like, like really, if you say really good. You okay. Know, uh, like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that the first album that features your husband that, that you've recorded or is, was he in the background and in the other stuff too? Uh, there was no horns on Lustrisco and, the, but in the jazz albums, there were, when there are horns and if there's a saxophone, it's him, but uh, okay. they are not saxophone on all the, just on some songs. And uh, 
I think also just on two songs actually on Romanelli. Okay. But but the the you know when I was really young, the very first album I did was with him, and then the Dos Mundos you mentioned was with him. So we've done like every ten years. We, we've done an album or a project. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the kids were small, it was just too difficult to tour together. So yeah. there was like 15 years where we didn't do anything or 10 years. And then we started doing things more regularly again because we could travel. And, okay. Yeah. And let's see. So you release albums on a pretty consistent basis from 95 through 2011. But then there was a, like a, a seven-year gap until your next LP came out. But it was, it was, were you focused on the Old Purity project for that whole time? Or was that, was there a, um, anything else going on? Because I like that, that Old Purity. Yeah, I think we, yeah, that's the Baroque ensemble I was working with. And we, modern music, but with Baroque instruments. Yes, I so love that kind of thing. Yeah. I think we were doing off-piece gurus at that time also. Okay. That's 2010 and 2016, I think. So that was Frederick's and that was our together project. The first coming out of, you know, coming out of uh, the, the time when the kids were small, when we couldn't tour together. So right. we did office schools after that. So I, more or less like every, I, actually, I don't quite, I haven't actually looked at my albums and seen the years, so I can't remember, <laughs> but uh, it feels like I've been pretty consistently working on something. Let's see. <laughs> you know? Okay, so we got releases in 96, 97, 2000, 2003, 08, 2011, and then, uh, I, I can't even, I'm not going to pronounce this one. <laughs> in 2018. Uh, Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that band, I, I still have that band, and we have toured a lot with that one. And we're doing another one. Actually, in June, we'll start recording another one. And oh, in wonderful. that band, that is like my own band, but Frederick is playing the. There's a horn section, and he's in there, but it's, it's my decisions, everything. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's awesome. You get to tell yeah, him what to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, I really love that. So, uh, we, it's, like, it's like when when we work together, like we do in in tone of voice orchestra, we we write together and we have to kind of compromise, but in a good way. But yeah. we have to make compromises. But in our own bands, we just you know that's my band and he's just a, a side man. Okay. So, I wanted to just ask you a little bit about the O Purity project. What was that whole project about? Because there there was a film that went along with that, I believe. Yeah. It's more like a film, actually, because okay. it's only uh, it's only out digitally as an EP. Okay. But the the film is on on YouTube. If anybody want to watch it with English subtitles and the lyrics are in English, and that was a collaboration with a Norwegian baroque ensemble and a Swedish pian pianist that I knew. We we wrote the songs together, him and I, and arranged them. And then, yeah, it started out as a like a project, just like Tone of Voice Orchestra started out as a project that mm -hmm. kind of you want to do more of this. And then I found a, a young girl who did, uh, who just came out of film school and she did the, the sort of the concert movie that we did for it. Okay. Which we sold to some TV stations and the national TV here paid, you know, helped us realize it. But um, 
we just decided in the end that since we were never going to play a lot of gigs because there's this big orchestra and people from, I think, seven countries, it was like crazy. So we just thought we meet up and do this. And then this thing is in the world as a, a documentary and people can hear these wonderful instruments playing modern music instead of only playing baroque music. Okay. So, yeah. I was fascinated by that. I thought it was, the music was beautiful. I loved it. I mean, Thank you. Innocent Bystander was great, but mm-hmm. I think it wasn't you broke my heart. That song was just, oh my gosh, the lyrics, the music, everything. It just, I just sat there listening to it and it just absolutely broke my heart. It wasn't you. I was infatuated by it wasn't you on the pillow next to mine it wasn't your shoulder that I rested on no you were not the one you were not the one so well done thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah so tone of voice orchestra is a large band i mean there's 10 people in it yeah how did that whole idea get started was that just something that you and and frederick wanted to to put together or was there something else behind it frederick was the artist in residence at a little club here and that meant that every monday that month he could present something like 20, 25 minutes of something new that he just wants to try out. Okay. And he, he had just met up with, just by accident, I think met some two young musicians from the folk scene here that we don't interact with a lot. This like, we don't know them. Mm-hmm. They don't know us. And I don't think there's any connection between the, I mean, he's a, re, a jazz musician still and with a jazz and focus just, but he, we just realized that they were, they have the same um, sort of, type of musicianship that jazz musicians have that they're really good at their instrument and okay. they're kind of nerdy. It's <laughs> a non, it's a, not a, a commercial kind of music and yeah. uh, they have a standard repertoire that, you know, some pol- really big standard repertoire that they have to know and they can improvise. Okay. Uh, and so Frederick used them for some theater music that he wrote and just thought it would be fun to do something with them. And then that was one thing that kind of went into it. And the other one was that, that he had heard an album with a Canadian band called Bruce Peninsula. I don't know if you know that one. I've heard of it, but I haven't listened. One of their albums is like this man singing. And then there's a choir of women answering all the time. Not all the time, but that's kind of... And they were two drummers. Okay. And so Frederick has also had another band of his own with two drummers. So he's always liked that broad beat that comes out of that. And so now we're two drummers and the folk musicians and he wanted ladies <laughs> answering him that I think what his picture was, of, I mean, his imagination was he would be playing the saxophone and there'll be four girls answering. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it happens. <laughs> happened after that, but that was his picture of it. <laughs> and so we went out and handpicked some singers that we felt were, we didn't want like jazz singers because they have too much of a, personalized sound it has to be a little bit more like eastern european straight or or no you know or scandinavian in the sound so we found some girls that have worked also in in world music with a different kind of sound and so made this one project where we wrote six songs together 
and just that was kind of a i think i said to somebody that it was like a gateway drug for more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we really had to um we had to do it again and so it just took a long time to find out then we did a little uh, we did a live stream concert after like a workshop uh, a year after that was the first time all 10 could meet oh wow and since then some people couldn't do it and some other people came in and it's just been you know like a a long process and then covid kind of we were just getting started and had played like five concerts or something and then covid came oh. and we thought okay so we just have to focus on getting an album made and even that was difficult during these this lockdown and stuff because we're yeah. more people than you can actually <laughs> yeah i was going to ask you about that how you know for, so you and frederick are writing all the music and the lyrics yeah okay yeah how are you getting this all done with 10 people because i, I i'm not exactly sure how it was in denmark but i know here we couldn't yeah at a time at certain times during this whole thing we, you couldn't yeah. have more than like six couldn't. people in a in no, same area yeah. so but the thing is uh, that was in public areas mm. nobody could actually prohibit you to be more in your private home people were not i mean there were there were times when you were totally isolated and you couldn't go out yeah but there was still a this was a little we we had to kind of move the time when we were recording twice we moved it and we split it up in two but at the time you could not be 10 people together if you were standing in the street but if you're, and then we checked out that the studio was actually a private uh, owned property. So uh. they couldn't actually tell us not to be there. And then we took tests every morning. We went by and took a test before we came. Okay. And uh, if people were too much in contact with their kids or wives, they would sleep in separate rooms while we were doing it because, you know, yeah. their wives and kids didn't want to, yeah, risk Just for us. safety. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of a, a, Every day the phone rang on the way to the studio. We were like, oh, now somebody's sick. You know? <laughs> and you had to wait, I think, half an hour to get your results. And everybody was standing outside the door waiting to go in uh, to know if uh, they had. And there was, you know, also a technician and a producer. So we were a lot more than, yeah, than yeah. 10 people. And uh, the video people came in one day. And oh, my God. It was just a, was just a big mess. But <laughs> we, we actually got it done. I don't think if the police had actually showed up, maybe they would have. I don't know. Yeah. We got it done. <laughs> don't tell anyone. No. Oh, no. Nobody, nobody's going to listen to this, so don't worry about it. One of the things that I like is that the, the the songs are so varied in styles. But you're you're talking about things that always kind of catch me off guard. I don't want to say talking about them, but you mention things that always kind of catch me off guard when I hear them in, in music, especially music that is a little I don't, not pop music per se you know if it was like a, a boy band singing about the internet texting and netflix i'd expect it but more sophisticated music I, i'm not i was just my brain wasn't prepared to hear something about a song about texting and netflix and, and it was just kind of funny it, some of those things just kind of caught me and I'm like, oh, yeah that's pretty um, interesting partic particularly uh, i like that rhyme a lot because sometimes you think oh i am the first one to use this word in a song i don't know whether i am yeah. probably somebody else might have said netflix <laughs> they have it's sex rhymes with netflix yeah in that particular yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and but i had the feeling i was kind of i've never heard a song with netflix in it i don't so think i, I have either was, my, so maybe i am the first i'm kind of collecting these first <laughs> words i've always done that 
also when I write in Danish, I'm thinking I am the first one to use this one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's cool. The the it, it's not me singing that song. That's one of the other singers who has the lead in that one. And she actually said to me, "I'm not going to say that. I can't say this was sex and Netflix." And I'm saying I had to really. Argue, like put up a good argument to make her oh wow <laughs> go with it because she, she texted me from the train after the first time we sung it and i really love the song but i can't do that i can't say that and i'm like come on it's such a cool ride it is it's a, yeah. i mean it stuck in my head now we go back and forth between mentioned before that the styles are so varied i mean for example the first single heartless it's kind of musically it's it's jazzy but the the vocals have this like middle eastern north african feel to it and it's i love it so much But then, the, then you go to He Loves Her For It, which is probably the sexiest jazzy folk song I've ever heard. He loves her for it, and she lets him have it. He loves her for it, the way she lets him have it. As he came. I can't hear the jazz when you say jazz. It's because probably I'm grown up with the jazz thing. I can't hear it anymore when people say it's in there. I'm like, what? <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah. And my lack of no- listen. Well, my yeah. lack of knowledge of jazz and my my knowledge of jazz is very basic, and so that's that's probably where it's coming from. Is I- somebody thinks that a lot of people actually thinks it's jazz because they hear the tenor saxophone because they relate that instrument so much to jazz. That might be it. So as, as soon as there is a jazz tenor solo, then they think, ah, it's jazz, because the chorus sequences and the grooves are not at all in the jazz kind of, but because of the tenor, I think, and the improvising bit, then that comes, I think that's why. See, that's probably it. I need to get a little more educated in jazz, for sure. No, no, I mean, don't do that. (laughs) It's cool. It's just that, uh, you know, for me, it's like there is a, a bagpipe that takes out all my, you know, I'm, that's why I can't. I think of it as world music. That that one, that, those two songs, I think, are more like world, or maybe a world fusion sort of. Okay. But I mean, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's really not important. They're great songs, whatever they are. It's just that we have decided for ourselves that 
writing these songs, we would we could take anything that we found was, you know, inspiring. And then since, you know, when we write music, each on our own, Frederick writes jazz music and I am like a more singer songwriter with some sort of Americana mm-hmm. elements in it. Then we're more into our genre, but when we write, when we have to find somewhere to meet, it has to be somewhere in between genres. So everything that we've done together has been this sort of somewhere in between stuff because that's where we can meet. It's fascinating to me. Uh, barking up the wrong tree. It's like if if an R and B song was written in the Middle Ages. I love it. Oh, that's a, such a good. Uh, that's a really cool description. <laughs> yeah. You're barking up the wrong tree. Your eyes say what's it gonna be, but love's not in the cards for me. And you're gonna wanna give up eventually. You moonwalking to impress me. Smooth talking since you met me. I see you're on a road. I tell you what. And the thing is, that song, Frederick. Uh, who, who, he generally does the like we, we write these songs from the bottom up so he's made sort of a groove and a, sort of a vibe with the hurdy-gurdy thing that's oh. probably why you get this uh, middle ages feeling of the hurdy-gurdy yes and when i got to sure. it i was so focused on the groove that i thought oh it's kind of an urban feel <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, did, I did that r&b hook line and then Frederick came back and did some something with the violin and the soprano and that is in his mind he was in latin america writing on the you know the Argentinian feeling, yeah. And when, so when you hear that the instrumental part, you can hear, oh, that's a part of it. But I was, I stayed in that R&B mode. So when I came back and did the verses, I was kind of because of the hurdy gurdy, which is a drone instrument, you can't move chords very much. It's kind of a really steady thing. And yeah. I had had the R&B uh, hook line there. I was like thinking for myself that I would be rapping. You know, like. So I was chain rhyming, yeah. and when I raised it to my kids, they say, "You're not rapping, mom." Which was like, but in my mind, <laughs> I am rapping. Put a little melody on top of it. So we just kind of, because we don't, for this particular song anyway, we didn't kind of explicitly say to each other, "We're doing this or that." Just like one did a part, and one did a part, and one did a part. So it kind of just became had these two flavors in it. It's yeah. It worked great. I, I've, I don't know. I've just I can't stop listening to this stuff. It, it's awesome, and the harmonies in that kind of day. Oh, that's they're so beautiful. I listened to that. Yeah. I actually listened to that several times in a row just because I, I just love the vocals and it. it's just absolutely yeah. beautiful. So you've played this, these songs live. Yeah. Is there a song that's kind of difficult to play or one that you just kind of avoid because it's a little nope. hard to pull off live? Well, we can play all of them. Oh, and we actually awesome. have a, a, like five, six, six songs more than this. Oh, wow. So, uh, cause it's, this is only like one album. So we have a, we're going to do a deluxe album 
in the fall, I think, sometime with the, the long, where the extended versions of four of them, and then oh. we have an extra song, maybe two. Oh, that so. is awesome. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. <laughs> so, so this has kind of grown from a, a one-off, maybe like a kind of a one-off project into uh, yeah. more of an actual band than the, the yeah, yeah, long-term sure. thing. That's awesome. Oh, I, do you guys plan to tour a lot over the spring and summer? Because to me, this a lot of this song, music sounds like it's perfect for spring and summer, like Lovey Dovey. Yeah, That's a, <laughs> Lovey Dovey. It's a summer song. Yeah. <gasps> That's a little video for that one that we took in July last year. And that's just where we also took the cover of the album. So it's like the cover come live. <laughs> and that's really is a summer and spring. And uh, But uh, I don't know, actually, because the album was out in, yeah, just, just came out. And that was a little late for booking summer festivals. And uh, before the album came out with all the good reviews, it was a little bit difficult to persuade anybody that a 10-piece band was something they actually needed with bagpipe and hurdy-gurdy <laughs> yeah, so, so we just toured a little bit we just did like seven gigs and we're going to do i think three or four over summer and then we're going to tour again in the fall and then hopefully a lot in 2023 because now we have all the the good things written about us yeah and, uh, yeah all and the also there's a little bit of a difficult time here now because these summer festivals this year last year were canceled yeah so they owe the people they canceled last year so That's coming up, as, yeah, it's a little bit crowded. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. This year is special, yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, even, even here in the States, I mean, there's a lot of people who are redeeming tickets they bought two years ago for shows yeah. that never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But everybody is going on tour now. I can see that on, on Instagram, that every American artist I know now seems to be going on tour. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and I live just outside of Washington, D.C., so there's mm -hmm. a lot of places that, there's shows going all the time. It's insane. Mm. It's amazing. It is great because yeah, we missed it. But does people go out and watch the shows now, or are still people staying at home afraid to get sick? Or the shows that I've been to, uh, they've been pretty full. So mm -hmm. there's there's been a great response. Um, even yeah, even the the smaller clubs that I kind of expected there to be, you know, a dozen people at were pretty full. You know. Maybe a hundred people instead of yeah. the you know ten to twenty that I've kind of were figuring would would show up. So, so I think everybody around here is re they're really hungry for hungry. it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And <sighs> so with a lot of the restrictions lifted, no masks anymore, and and, and so a lot of places they don't they're stopping this this whole proof of vaccination and also people just going. So. Mm. I'm, That's nice. Yeah, it's, it's a, the world has to restart. It does. Yeah, we have to have some kind of normalcy again, otherwise, yeah. things are just going to get real bad. But but actually, I've been thinking about the lockdown, and I think a lot of good stuff came out of it too. You know, not financially, of course, but right. just the thing that you know every everything stopped, and you kind of had to think about what you really wanted to do, and there was a lot of choir times for writing music and yeah. no stress about reading that everybody else was on tour while you were just at home but because <laughs> everybody else was at home too so yeah. you could just sit back and write your songs and and also the thing that you and i are doing this now that couldn't have happened before covid because we didn't do zoom and we did i mean yeah. we could but we didn't do it and and just the, it seemed like everybody who was so far away came closer it that's very true and i started this hope this podcast about 
two and a half, three years ago. And this is how I do all of the episodes. But you had to kind of convince people to do it this way. Yeah. And now this is the way people do a lot of things. I mean, the company I work for, I I was considered an essential worker. So I, through the whole pandemic, I drove 45 minutes to work every day. Oh, did that. Yeah. So, because I can't do my job from home. It's just, it's impossible. But I'd say 75% of, of the company I work for worked from home. They set everybody up yeah. with microphones and they had their laptops and they could just do everything from home. And I think that got a lot of people more comfortable with doing these kind of interviews because they had to, to get work done. They, you know, everything mm-hmm. had to be done through some kind of conference call. So help my and podcast still out. Actually, still actually people, I mean, they've learned that, I mean, the employee, the employers have learned that the employees work as much from home. So I just talked to the woman from my bank yesterday and she said that she worked from home two days a week now just yeah. because... Yeah. My wife, she works for a a bank here and she works, she still works five days a week from the house. Yeah. So, so. I mean, it, we, we learned something. It's always good to have a little things shaken and stirred a little bit. Oh, and yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. But now we have a, a, a huge building that's like half empty. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> that's above my pay grade. I don't have to worry about that, though. But some so. things, some good things came out of it. And I have this really sweet story about, a singer-songwriter from a person in Australia, Carla Geneva. Geneva, I don't know how she pronounces her name, okay. but she actually came out with an album uh, yesterday, I think. Oh. But anyway, at that time, I found a song of hers on YouTube, and I showed it to my daughter, and she said, I want to play that guitar song. And um, we thought she was really, you know, was an electric guitar, and she was really cool. And we Googled, and so if there was a how-to video anywhere, there wasn't. So my daughter just wrote to her on Instagram, hey, Carla, I love your song. Uh, is there a how-to video somewhere? And this girl, she just said, oh, no, but hang on, Mercedes. That's the name of my daughter. And then she sat down on her phone from Perth, Australia, and made a how-to video for my daughter. I said, hi, Mercedes, this is how I do. Wow. Uh, that was that was the beginning of COVID for me. And that kind of put everything in a, in a different light for me. This one person at the other e- end of the world who just took the time to make a video for my daughter oh. who was, you know, ah, oh, that's, that was so sweet. You that know? is amazing. Oh, I love when I, I love an artist and artist who will do something like that. That's just yeah, probably if it was now she would be too busy or just like Denmark would seem far away. But now, I mean, it we're, had my daughter been in, in like two houses down the road or in Denmark on the other side of the planet, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. that's a beautiful story. That kind of restores some faith in, in people. Yeah, that, it does. Yeah. The, the last thing I want to mention is the song Typecast. Mm-hmm. I like that. That song is so smartly written. Lyrically, it's kind of a bit of a angry song, but it's still kind of bright and sunny with the yeah, that goes along with the rest of the It's not really angry. It's just like it's a little. I'm thinking it's like the air hostess, you know, 
She's been, she's really kind, but if you mess with her, she's probably just going to spill your drink in your lap. Yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of way I'm thinking when we sing it. Right. Okay. That's, that's a better way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> but it goes along with the rest of the album that that's an upbeat, sunny spring, summer type of album. It's, it's great. Is it, the lyric of that song is, um, I would say is, uh, sort of a feminist statement, you know, about yeah. all the different arenas that women are supposed to to navigate comfortably and if you don't you know if you're not a good i mean and that we there's some kind of roles that we're just supposed to come natural but doesn't always yeah and um it comes with the territory of writing lyrics to four adult women in the same band and it has to be in every in in, in all our mouths you know that it has to be lyrics that deal with or most often do I write lyrics that deal with the like the feminine perspective of how the world looks because mm-hmm. it it comes from it's there's an empowering feeling of being for women singing together. I've been, always been singing alone, you know, in all my own projects, and I've been you know like looking you know into myself and mm-hmm. been like state of mind songs, but that makes no sense if you are you know for women singing together. Okay, so yeah, I've really really enjoyed this the, the chat the album everything and i've kept you for quite a while here and i want to thank you for see we've been yeah we've been at it almost an hour already thank you so oh, yeah. much <laughs> where can people find the album how can they pick it up or stream it it's on all the regular streaming services under tone of voice orchestra and then of course uh, Bandcamp if you want to have a vinyl or a cd uh, or just a of course downloads but uh, yeah. that's awesome or from my website i can i send it to everywhere in the world there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> is there a social media presence for the band yes we have um instagram and um facebook we don't have actually twitter because we don't use that much in this uh this, twitter this part of the world so only know. journalists do it and, and they do it because they want to follow american journalists but right so I'm not really, I don't have a present there, but sure, Facebook and Instagram, we're there. Excellent, excellent. I don't like Twitter either. If I didn't have to promote the, the podcast with it, I probably wouldn't have it. The uh, social media, is, is it all, is, uh, the Instagram at Tone of Voice Orchestra, or is it a different yes, handle? Yes, yes. Okay. It's a Tone of Voice, I think there's a, like a, if you write Tone of Voice Orchestra in this, you know, where you uh, in the search for search things, bar, then, yeah. then we'll come up. Nope. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of you guys there. No, 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 they're, they're definitely not. We have even have our own hashtag, you know, nobody took it. <laughs> yeah, I have my own page, of course, also, because I, I write a lot about music. I um, I review music for different magazines, platforms, and I point out, like, album of the week every week. So I have my own kind of Instagram also where I do all my talk about music stuff and all the things I am en- oh, cool. enthusiastic about and you know, but a tone of voice orchestra is only for tone of voice orchestra. <laughs> so what's, what's your other uh, Instagram handle then? It's, um, wait a minute. I actually have to look it up because <laughs> I can't remember. I'm Trina Lisa Varing, but Varing is, I can't remember what I actually, let me just look it up for you here. Ah, uh, yeah. My Instagram handle is just Trina Lisa Varing and Varing is with a one V not, not double U, but uh, what is it called? Uh, just a V. V A E R N G. Well, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's been wonderful. And we'll talk to you soon. Soon. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye.